Have you ever tried a new board game but didn't quite know how to play? It's awkward when you have questions and don't know the right moves. This is how financial giving feels for so many people. With all the different messages we hear about the subject, wouldn't it be great to get some clarity? When we see giving from God's perspective, you'll connect the dots. An acceptable gift is giving that gets God's attention and, as gifts can do, brings us closer together. To us, the word acceptable can mean barely good enough, but in God's vocabulary, it's a big deal. What if you knew your giving could bring a smile to His face? That's what this is all about. Our gifts today can feed the hungry, heal the sick, encourage the brokenhearted, and spread good news. But most importantly, like a simple gift from a child, they can delight our Father in Heaven. That's giving from God's perspective. So welcome to week one of our new series, Plastic Donuts, Giving that Delights the Heart of the Father. Now at this point you might be wondering, what does that mean and why are there inflatable donuts everywhere? Okay. Well, to explain that, I want to introduce you to someone. This is Jeff Anderson. He's an author, and back in 2012, he wrote a little tiny book called Plastic Donuts, Giving That Delights the Heart of the Father. So I read this book. I loved it so much. We actually invited him up to River Life back in 2015 to speak and, and lead a workshop. Um, I love this book. This is the single best book on uh, giving that I've ever read. It is such a refreshing take and biblically grounded perspective on what giving in the church is all about. And it, so it's been about four years since we talked about it. So I thought it was time to revisit plastic donuts. So what is a plastic donut? And why is the whole sermon series called that? Well, to explain that, I really have to read to you a story out of Jeff's book. And he opens up the book with the following story. And it's about his daughter, his young daughter, Autumn. Autumn Joy toddled across the room and stood at the edge of my laptop-centered view. I was in task mode, typing away while sitting in the living room, uh, in a sit living room recliner with Shirley Temple curls bouncing around her face, my 18-month-old daughter looked up at me. I looked at her. Then she handed me a plastic donut from her kitchen playset. I looked at the donut and back at my daughter. She stood waiting for a response. So I put the donut up to my mouth and said with great animation, nom, nom, nom. oh, yum, 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 nom, 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 like any good adult should do. Uh, thank you, Autumn. This is so good. And then something beautiful happened. Her big brown eyes widened. Her lips pushed a giant smile against her puffy cheeks. She stood up on her toes, shrugged her shoulders to her ears, and let out a high-pitched squeal. <laughs> After soaking in the experience for a few seconds, she ran back to the kitchen and brought me a little pink spoon. And again, I responded, showing her my pleasure and approval. The cycle continued a few more times as I collected plastic pieces from her kitchen set. For Autumn, this exercise in giving gifts kept bringing her back to her daddy. 
For me, it kept me looking for my child to return to my side. I was moved by the exchange. I loved the interaction and the connection. I was so pleased. And then he writes about his aha moment. This is how our giving must feel from God's perspective. Our gifts to him are like plastic donuts. God does not need our gifts or our money. But like a child's gift that moves her father, our gifts can really get God's attention. And that one moment started Jeff Anderson down on a journey of studying the 2,000 verses in Scripture about giving. He studied, he analyzed, he collected, he categorized. And the product of that deep dive was this book. And that's what we're going to be talking about for the next four weeks. So what is your relationship with giving, particularly giving in the church? So I thought of two ways we could talk about this, emotionally or behaviorally. So let's talk emotionally. So how do you feel, like when you discover that we're going to be talking about giving in church, how did you feel about the idea of giving in the church? Were you awkward, defensive, pressured, argumentative? You start having PTSD from young childhood church days, okay? Or maybe your thoughts were positive. You were comfortable, supportive, encouraged, maybe even excited. So which of the, as you sit today, whether you knew we were talking about giving or not, what's closest to your heart right now? What are your emotions? More on the negative side, more on the positive side, okay? How about behaviors? Let's, let's talk about behaviors. What is your current church giving behavior? And you can fall under a couple of these, okay? Um, I give consistently. I give, but it's not consistent. Or I decide ahead of time how much I want to give. Or does the amount you give vary by your circumstances? Or you don't give it all to the church. So out of those, and again, there are lots of other options, but out of those, where do you fall? When you look at your behavior, what best describes you? So with all of these options, all of these behaviors, and all of these emotions, how should we be thinking and feeling about giving? Where should we be in this? See, there, there could be so many questions running through your minds right now. Right? You could be asking things like, okay, well, well, what's the right amount to give? What's the wrong amount to give? Do I have to tithe? Is the tithe, tithe still applicable to us? Is it okay to stop giving when money's tight or we lose a job? Can I volunteer time instead of giving money? Does it even matter what amount we give? Is it what really matters is our heart? These are all questions. These and many more can be racing through your heads right now. And we're going to tackle all of those over the next four weeks. So make sure this is, this is a series you want to be a part of. But today, I want to just start with one overarching principle. And so to help us with that, we're going to turn to the oldest sibling rivalry in recorded history. It's recorded in the book of Genesis, and it's between two brothers named Cain and Abel. 
So here's the background. God created everything, including Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve disobeyed God and brought sin into the world. Adam and Eve also brought two sons into the world named Cain and Abel. And as they grew, Cain became a farmer and Abel became a shepherd. That's what they did. Well, then one day they wanted to give God an offering. We don't really know why. The Bible doesn't say. But they wanted to give God an offering. And, and here's what happened. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift. But he, uh, oh, excuse me. Uh, Abel also brought a gift. The best portions of the firstborn lambs of his flock. The Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Now, if you know the rest of the story, you know Cain did not handle his anger well. He lured his brother into the, into the fields and killed him. Now, this is a really curious passage. Because it does not explain a whole lot. There are so many questions in this. It's kind of like time travel in Endgame. Don't ask too many questions. You'll just get yourself confused. Okay? Instead, with Cain and Abel, focus on what the passage does tell us instead of what the passage does not tell us. Because this passage introduces something. It tells us something really, really important. And when we get stuck with all the questions about the, the whys and the whats, we might forget, we might lose sight of the really important thing that this passage does tell us. So, both brothers offered a gift to God. They both, they both offered a gift from the work of their hands, fields or meat. Um, and and what was amazing is God accepted one of them and he did not accept the other one. Think about that for a second. It is possible to give a gift to God and it be unacceptable. Have you ever thought about that? That is a staggering thing. And it's not just this passage. All throughout Scripture, we, we read about passages that God, we read passages that talk about offerings, gifts, sacrifices that God accepts and others that He doesn't accept. And they tell us this some gifts are acceptable to God, others are not. See, the idea of giving an acceptable gift is all throughout Scripture. Noah did it, Moses did it, the prophets did it, Jesus did it, the Philippian church did it. The Mosaic law describes what type of gifts, what type of sacrifices are acceptable to God. He, that they are sacrifices of the best, the best animals, the best produce. It's animals without blemish. That's why Jesus is described in Scripture as our spotless lamb sacrifice, because he's the perfect, acceptable sacrifice. 
So sacrifices and gifts that are accepted to God throughout Scripture, Old and New Testament, we will read phrases like, like a fragrant offering to God or a sacrifice that is pleasing to God. Some gifts are acceptable to God and others are not. That means that it is possible for you to take some money, take some cash, put in the offering box back there, go online, give online. It is possible for you to give to River Life and your gift actually be unacceptable to God. Think about that. Now, if that's true, which scripture shows it, it should raise one huge question in your mind right now. There should be one question in your mind racing through it. Well, then what's an acceptable gift to God? If it's possible for me to give to River Life or other organizations and it be unacceptable, I sure as heck want to know what's acceptable to God. And that's what we're going to be talking about over the next four weeks. What is an acceptable gift? What is a gift that brings pleasure to God, what, that God accepts. So here's, here's a definition that we're going to be talking about and breaking down over the next few weeks, and here it is. An acceptable gift is one that pleases God, gets his attention, and delights his heart. Now to flesh out this idea through the series, we're going to be talking about four scriptural truths about giving. So in the book here in Plastic Donuts, um, they, he talks about it as the acceptable gift truths. Today, we're going to just talk about the first one. The first acceptable gift truth. See, one of the most common things that I hear when I talk to people about giving uh, and, and what they're doing, how they feel about it, what, uh, is the most one of the most common things I hear people say is, well, that, that it really doesn't matter how much we give. What matters is our heart. Jesus even preached it. What matters is our heart. Okay, while this statement has elements of truth in it, it's mostly wrong. It is. It's mostly wrong. Scripture mostly does not support that idea. Okay? Because it completely ignores the first acceptable gift truth. And that is this. That when we give gifts to God, the amount matters. The amount matters. It's not all about the heart. When we give gifts to God, the amount matters. King David knew that the amount mattered. So as an old king, he had sinned against God. And he wanted to offer sacrifices as repentance for his sin. And there was one of his citizens who was going to give him everything. He was going to give him, give him the wood, give him the oxen, give him the altar, everything for free. And David said, no. And here was his answer. He said, no, I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord, my God, burnt offerings that cost me nothing. Think about that. He could have gotten it all for free. But he said, I will not sacrifice. I will not give to God something that does not cost me anything. It costs nothing to me. Why would I do that? See, King David knew that the amount mattered. And from King David, we learn that 
Amounts that matter cost us something. David wanted to incur the cost of his offering to God. He didn't want to do it for free. Jesus knew that the amount matters. Jesus knew. So one day he sat down next to the offering box at the temple and he just watched. I love that Jesus sat and watched people give their offering. And as he watched people, a number of people went by. So some rich men went by and they dropped in large amounts of money. And these were, these were coin, metal coins in a metal container. You could just imagine dropping them in. Clang, 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 clang. Okay? All kinds of noise. Look how much I gave. Kind of wealthy person after wealthy person did this. And then this woman, this poor woman, a widow, came by and put in a couple pennies. Clink, clink. That's all it was. And Jesus praised this woman, not for her heart. He did not praise her heart. He praised her amount. Listen to what he said. Truly I tell you, this poor woman has put in more into the treasury than all others. Notice he did say this poor woman has the best heart of everybody. This poor woman put in more than all the others. They gave out of her, their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. Jesus praised her for the amount, not her heart. And from Jesus and the widow, we learn that amounts that matter come in all sizes. Amounts that matter come in all sizes. There's one more thing that we learn from Scripture about the amount and why the amount matters. It comes out of Jesus' teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. So this is early in his public ministry. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, amounts that matter engage the heart. You can give an amount, but if it never engages your heart, it's not really an amount that matters because it doesn't matter to you. So he says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Essentially, wherever your treasure goes, that's your amount. It's not, notice, wherever your heart goes. No, it's wherever your money goes, wherever your amount goes, your heart follows. So here's how, how the author put it in the book. If you spend an amount that matters very little to you, it will move your heart very little. If you spend an amount that matters more to you, it will move a more meaningful amount of your heart in that direction. The amount gets the attention of your heart. That's why the amount matters to God. Because your heart matters to God. So, how can you live out? How can you live out God's acceptable truth, number one? That when we give gifts to God, the amount matters. How can you actually live that out? Well, here are a few ways. Do you remember the question I asked at the beginning about your, your emotions and your behaviors? Let's start with your emotions. 
So first, look at giving from God's perspective, not your own. So often we look at giving from our perspective. What's my income? Is it net? Is it gross? What am I giving? Is this, are we going to be able to pay our bills? Am I being obedient or disobedient? Am I feeling guilty or happy? All of that is looking at giving from our perspective. Instead, look at giving from God's perspective. Don't think in terms of shoulds and have tos. I, I lived up to God this month. I didn't live up to God last month. Okay? Think in terms of relationship. Imagine you. Imagine yourself as a child running up to the throne room of God in heaven. Your heavenly father, your daddy. Imagine you as a child running up and think of giving him a gift. Think of bringing delight to your father. Think of being close in proximity and in relationship to your heavenly father. This can revolutionize the way you think about giving. And that's the secret of the plastic donut. Is to think about giving from God's perspective. Not your own. Second. If you give to the church, let's talk about our behaviors. If you give to the church, are you giving an amount that matters? Think about that. Are you giving an amount that matters to you? Or is it a check, some cash, enter the credit card, press enter, and it just comes and goes? And this is where ignore the dollar sign, ignore the percentage, the amount that you give, does it engage your heart? Does it draw your heart into relationship with your father? That can tell you whether you're giving an amount that matters. You can have, you all have amounts that matter in your life. We all have them. Maybe they're bills because it matters because if you don't pay your student loan, you know they're coming after you. They will find you wherever you live. Maybe it's a student loan. Maybe it's your car payment because you love your car. Maybe it's the amount you spend on a hobby or amount you spend going out to eat. We all have amounts that matter. Is giving to God and to the church one of those amounts? And lastly, if you aren't giving to the church, how is your heart? I want to start there. I don't want to say like how much do you want to give if you could or what are the reasons you don't give, okay? How's your heart? Not your wallet. I don't want to ask you about your wallet. I don't want to ask you about your bank account. I want to know about your heart. Because even if you have intellectual arguments against giving to the church, or emotional arguments against giving to the church. Forget all of that. And think relationship with God. Imagine being able to get God's attention by the gift you give. Imagine bringing joy to God. 
Imagine pleasing God by a gift that you give. Imagine your heart turning toward him. All of that happens with giving. And so if you're not giving, how's your heart? Is your heart, do you have a, have a generous open heart or a closed, stingy, dark heart right now in your life? How is your heart? So when pastors preach on, on, um, on uh, giving, when pastors preach on giving, they'll often say things like, if everyone in the church tithed, we could double our ministries. We could expand our building. We could build an orphanage in Thailand. Okay, and you hear that. And while that is factually true, I think it's really off base. It's the wrong way to talk about that. So I think a much better way to talk about that is imagine if we could all bring delight to our Father in heaven. Imagine if we all had our hearts turned toward God and not toward ourselves, our success, our job, our comfort, our entertainment. Imagine if all of us could offer a fragrant offering to God and to watch him smile and give us a big hug and feel that intimacy with God. That's really what I want to see. Yeah, it'd be awesome to build orphanages and expand the building and double our ministries and get more staff. Yeah, that's great. But that is so, so secondary. Because God wants a relationship with you as an individual and he wants a relationship with us as a church, as a whole. So when you think about giving, think about running to God in excitement and bringing joy to his face. Don't think about the messages you've heard in the past about this percentage or this amount. Start here with gifts that bring joy to the Father. Think about running up to God the Father, giving him a gift and seeing him smile so big that you can't help but do anything but just go, Eek! and you run off and grab another one. Because that was such an amazing experience. So to help you do that, we've, we've actually got copies of this book out at the Connection Center. And originally, we were, going to be, we were going to be selling these for three bucks. That's half price. It's super tiny. Like any one of us could read this, really. Look how small that is, okay? I hate reading. Even I love this thing, okay? We're going to be selling for three bucks out there, but here's the incredible thing. Someone came up and asked, hey, how many did you buy? I said, I bought a box, 48. It was a case of books, 48. I'd like to buy all of them so you can give them out for free. So somebody here bought the entire case of books out there. So we've got a free book for all of you. I know. Um, so for every individual, every family, you get a copy of Plastic Donuts today. And I get to call the author who's become kind of a friend of mine over the years and I get to order another case of books. So 
grab a copy. I, I want us to revolutionize how we feel and how we think about giving. And yeah, there are amounts, and you can think percentages, and you can ask questions about gross versus net, but how about we just put all that stuff away for a little while, and we think about bringing delight to the heart of the Father with our gifts. So join me in prayer. Father God, Abba, Daddy. As we come to church here, we, we come to your house where you reside. You reside in our hearts and you reside in our church. And even today as we listen, as we sing songs, these are offerings to you. So I pray that we all can run up to your feet and give you a gift today. Be that a song be it a heart or be it money. Pray that we can, we can run up to you and give you a gift that makes you smile and that brings joy to your heart. And that seeing your response can fill us with so much joy. We have, we have no other choice but to just squeal in excitement. And let us keep coming to you over and over again with our fragrant offerings. Lord, I, I pray especially for everyone here who has very negative feelings about giving in church. Whether that's come from pastors, parents, friends, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ against those lies that have soured them to your heart and what gifts can do for us and for you. So I pray a clean heart. Create in them a clean heart, O oh Lord. Renew a right spirit in them. And let them see giving from a totally new perspective. God, we thank you that you are a gift-giving God and we can be a gift-giving people. And I thank you for the love and the generosity represented in this room. So with all of this, we sing some songs as gifts to you. Let them bring joy to your heart. In Jesus' name, I pray these.